0: I still feel like we're relatively under the radar. Like, you don't go rounds and go... Like, if you talk to people about Atlassian, for instance, people go, oh, yeah, Atlassian. If you talk to people about Invato, people go, huh? Like, I mean, I try and tell people what Invato does at parties and their eyes just glaze over, so it's really not surprising. It's hard for people outside of our industry to understand what it is that we actually do.
1: Cyan Taeed, co founder of Invato, and one of the reasons Invato is still under the radar compared to other large tech companies in Australia can probably be traced back to the fact they're a bootstrapped company. The founders have never taken funding. In avoiding the high-flying venture capitalist dollars Invato has avoided public speculation of what it might be worth there's probably never going to be a headline about Invato breaking a billion dollar valuation for two reasons it probably wouldn't be publicized by the company and by now it's probably old news anyway but venture capitalists still like to keep in touch
0: And I remember having more of a social conversation with a VC who I actually really liked. And she was like, she said, my job is really hard because my job is to try and get in with the companies who don't actually need the funding. She said, I need to become friends with them and become indispensable to them. So the day when they actually need funding, I'm the person that they call. She said, but in the meantime, I have to navigate through all the companies who want me to fund them. She said, those aren't actually interesting to me. They're a lot more of a risk than the company who's growing. So we get a lot of interest.
1: I asked Cyan if there was ever any frustration from VCs that were trying to get involved with Invato.
0: No, because we're always really transparent that it's not, you know, it's not in our roadmap. It's not what we need. It's not in our roadmap. We're a profitable company. Um, we tend to be fairly conservative and keep quite a substantial war chest just in case we need it if, if you know, an opportunity or a challenge arises that we need to invest in so we're not sort of we're not leading anyone on where we're literally just you know maintaining positive relationships with with you know all the different people in our ecosystem
1: with Invato's significant and ongoing success and not being diluted over time through funding rounds, Collis, Cyan and the Taeed family is now on the Australian Financial Review's rich list, sneaking in in 2019 to the top 100 at place 94. When I talked to Cyan, it was at their house, indistinguishable from others in the street, with a silver Volkswagen hatchback in the drive
0: we bought a house three years ago and before that we always rented and we bought our one and only car that we've ever had how long ago seven years ago so we you know envato had been going for quite some time we had quite an office of 50 people and the only thing we had was we had a one-bedroom apartment which was a five-minute walk from the office, which was like a
1: tiny
0: little apartment. And we had a mattress on the floor and a couch and a turned over, um, like milk crate as a coffee table and a TV. And that was it. And we just walked to work, worked, came home, watched a bit of TV, went to bed. We lived like small children effectively until we had children until like I was seven months pregnant when we moved into like, anything which would even be slightly appropriate for a child. And we bought a car around about that time too. So really we were just, you know, totally focused on, on launching this business. We would really, if we hadn't have had children, I think we'd be the sort of the weirdest, most um, imbalanced human beings. It's really only having kids that forced us to behave like adults.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the car in the driveway? Yeah, that's and our car. That's how the does the only...
0: get to work? Hey, we, we take public transport.
1: Welcome to Scale Up from LaunchVic and Season 3, covering the very unique and under the radar company that is Invato. For a tech company as large as Invato, with over 500 staff here in Melbourne and around the world, it's rare not to have taken funding or reallocated some shares for one reason or another. Searching for other tech companies that passed up the allure of funding to stay in control and growing under their own steam surfaces names like Mailchimp, BrainTree, Basecamp, GitHub, and Sydney's Big Commerce. Of these though, only Basecamp and Mailchimp are still founder-owned. Others eventually raised money and in GitHub's case sold to Microsoft for about 7.5 billion. Keeping Invato bootstrapped has meant greater freedom for the company to make decisions and issue demands from whoever might have had a stake or an interest in the company. It's an enviable position to be in, and one that another founder in Melbourne is championing as the Indie Way. We'll meet her in a moment. Scale up is thanks to LaunchVic, the Victorian Startup Ecosystem Development Agency that's continually adding resources for anybody interested in startups here. Check out launchvic.org now while you're listening. There's a link in the show notes to launchvic.org. The AFR Rich List entry reads, Cyan and Collis Taid and Family. Collis's brother, Vahid, joined early on and their father, Fouad, has overseen and assisted much of the financial aspects of the company. Cyan again.
0: Fouad has been incredible for us as an organisation. You have no idea how green we were when we first started. And Fouad, who's Collis's father, um, came onto the board and I remember he went through our business plan and he said, and we said, this is going to take us a couple of years. And he said, this is going to take you 10 years. And we said, no, it's not. And he said, your best asset is your naivety with this business. And we were like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, whatever. Took us 10 years to the day. No joke, 10 years. He was absolutely right on the money. And he really instilled um, an analysis of the finances with a fine tooth comb that I think has allowed us to be a bootstrapped organisation because, you know, even now, so, you know, now I'm doing, you know, Hey Tiger Chocolate Company, the, the margins are so small in comparison to tech. It's unbelievable. I keep thinking like, wow, in tech, in comparison, just money falls from the sky <laughs> in comparison <laughs> to, uh, you know, a company like Hey Tiger. Um, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of tech companies, you know, in order to attract the best talent and, you know, to sort of fit, spend silly money on things, And don't have the rigor that a non-tech company would have. And we've always tried to have the rigor of a non-tech company, except within a tech company, which has allowed us to build up that war chest, which has meant that when we needed it, we could dip into it, which has meant we don't have funding, which has meant we can make all sorts of decisions that are around how we want a company to be as opposed to how a company needs to be when it is focused solely on the
1: bottom line. Fouad declined to be interviewed for this series, but Gus Gollings, senior development lead, has an illustrative story of his experience at the company. Gus had booked a flight to get a developer to Melbourne from Tasmania. The flight he'd booked was about $100 more than another flight around a similar time. It
2: came to the point where I was so curious about why Fouad would be interested in that level of detail in the business i had to say to him, i said i'm so sorry for it. like i you know i I don't want to come to you with hundred dollar expenses but i totally appreciate what you're doing i'm just fascinated like why why would you have the head for this kind of detail um and is it you know do you want me to count the count the hundred dollar marks with the flights to melbourne i'm happy to do it and he said gus that it never will leave me he, he looked me in the eye and said there's I want independence through frugality. And it was a very um, strong aspect of his own personal values, um, the Baha'i values, and the idea that we're beholden to no one while we're frugal. And while we're independent, we have to maintain an eye on the dollar spend in a million-dollar business. And I was just stunned by his... Uh, very genuinely felt and totally unique attitude towards business and finance. And Floyd's a, a serious uh, businessman. He, he I don't know if you know his previous business history, but you know he's led very large operations, international, and multinational operations. So he knows budgets. He knows business. It's not like he's uh, a babe in the woods in any stretch. And he's in large part why Invato has remained independent and successful. That he never let us spend the profits until our tax position was clarified, he never let us overreach, he never let us take money. He never let Collis sell the business off to the developers in back in the day, it would have been so tempting for Collis, a young man cash strapped to sort of strike a deal with a local dev and say, "Hey, buddy, you know I'll go your Harvey's in this business if you build the software. I've got the idea." that was so common that was happening all over town, but he had the foresight to sort of go, no, I'm going to find the money, I'll pay a wage and I'll keep ownership of the business in control and I won't take on debt unless it's reasonable and they can manage it internally. So interesting and it's it's deeply ingrained in a personal attitude towards life and business and it's just pervasive in the Invado attitude. Colas's brother, Vahid, is like literally a rocket scientist. There's this almost genetic intelligence that comes through in the Tahid family. Collis, you know... Calls himself a designer, but he's a maths whiz. Like like these people are really credentialed and so humble that you'd never know.
3: Like he's got to be one of the richest people I know, and he takes the tram to work. Brett Elliott, I work uh, at Envato on the uh, on Elements, which is our subscription product. I'm a product manager here. He's just—he's more likely to open the door for me than I am for him. He's just a, a. Like he's that proper visionary founder that people line up behind, you know what I'm trying to say? Like he's, he's a, he's an impressive, inspirational guy. We're getting to a stage and a size in the company where the founder can't make all of those big, like big leap decisions. Uh, we're learning now how to, uh, how to do that on our own. We're like a toddler moving into adulthood, you know? Um, so it's, uh, how do we prove an idea out? How do we, how do we be very confident in something? Uh, or or do we need to be confident in it? Like he can burn a million dollars on, on an idea and it not work and that's okay. Like it's hard for someone else to make that decision. So how how do we evolve as a company to be able to, even if it's not doing that in the future, if we don't want to burn a million dollars on an idea just because it sounds like a good idea at the time. Like, do we want to uh, only invest in things that we've proven out?
1: One of those things that started as a project was the Element subscription product. That was a few years ago now, something that Xavier Rousseau worked on pre-launch. He says weighing the benefits against what you might be giving up in Invato's case likely didn't equate for the founders. Being part of Invato's DNA is they can do things their way um, and you know, be very values well driven and, and as a family business. You've got that ability to control the way you do things. And if you take outside money, you give up a bunch of control. You've then got other people that you're accountable to. Um, and so I think that was something where they had greater need for money to fund growth that they couldn't get otherwise, and then maybe they'd have explored it further, but my read on the situation was they went, oh, well, yep. we'd be giving up more than we'd be getting. On a smaller scale, there's people in Melbourne doing similar things to Invato by taking the bootstrapped route rather than actively seeking funding. Kate is one of those.
4: So my name is Kate Kendall and I am the founder and CEO of CloudPeeps, but recently started the Atto Accelerator program here at OneRuth, co-working in Melbourne.
1: Kate advocates the Indie way, creating a scalable tech business, but staying independent and refusing to be labelled as a lifestyle business. Starting CloudPeeps, a freelance platform, while in San Francisco, the prospect of following the VC-funded journey just didn't seem appealing when looking at the realities of it. I spoke to Kate at One Roof. One Roof is a female-centric co-working space in South Bank, just across the river from Melbourne's CBD
4: as i was kind of building cloud peeps and was among that um, growth at all cost model in san francisco i really noticed that it was all or nothing it's all about unless you're the billion dollar company you're nothing or you know you raise 40 million you churn through that on customer acquisition costs and then you know you might hire all these people and then you have layoffs or you can't hit your growth milestones so I was also seeing a lot of income inequality in the city and the city changing a lot. So just kind of started to think tech wasn't necessarily scaling in the way that I got into the reason why I even got into tech, which was creating products that people love. Mm. Um, it started to become almost like another Wall Street. So the indie way is is saying, well you can raise money. It's not about just being a bootstrapping pathway. You can raise it, but you raise mindful amounts of capital. And you really commit to something for the long term. It's not about fast exits. You might look at profit sharing with your employees instead of stock ownership, which, again, might be very risky. Um, So, yeah, the Indie way really encompasses building a company in a scalable, sustainable, ethical manner um, and retaining ownership as well. So, you, you know, you really want to, if founders often see themselves, even if they get to an IPO, they might not even get a return on their time because of the amount of capital they've taken, if they're even still the founder. So you really want to build something that you love in a way that is um, servicing users. And I think that the indie way is a great way to do that.
1: Is it selfish?
4: Um, I wouldn't say it's selfish at all. I actually think that if you take VC money and you see this with some of the... Um, often start what you see in the press like they might raise 20 mil and then cash out some of their equity and go buy a car with it like that's not uncommon that there's founder liquidity at some of these VC milestone events and so um, then you know and often that um, they'll get an exit like even the founder of WhatsApp sold to Facebook that was initially about the money and now they kind of regret that because they really wanted to build a independent platform for the long term so I'd say wanting to satisfy users and do it in a way that is authentic and true to you um, is a good balance to have versus, you know, being determined all about money.
1: Yeah. Is it sort of like the slow food movement of um, high growth (laughs) tech startups?
4: Yeah, I think it's like, I'd say it's, uh, that's why I say indie because it's almost like indie music or indie publishing. You know, if you think about indie music or indie films, it's about creating good stuff um, with what you have. Um, and not trying to always appeal to what everyone else is doing or what the mainstream says is successful. And you see that with Silicon Valley and even the press with startups, right? It's like everyone's obsessed with sharing how much money they've raised or you're not taken seriously until you have raised money. There's all these myths and things that founders get fed. Um, You go to a lot of events, it's teaching you how to pitch. It's not about how to build your business, right? So Um, It is a little bit, I wouldn't say quite slow food, and that's one thing we were touching on in the lifestyle business. I think, you know, there is this kind of patronization of lifestyle businesses, but that's why it's not quite a lifestyle business to me. I call them indie companies because they can still be global companies that make a big impact and have serious revenue and truly committed customers. But they're not all about headcount and raising as much money as possible. Um, And they can be based anywhere in the world. It's not all about um, cities or being in Silicon Valley. You can kind of build a great company now wherever you are. And I think with Marketplace in particular, there's a lot of success stories out of Australia where they originally bootstrapped or self-funded and then they expanded. So and obviously they've hired a lot of great talent and managed to build a A large company out of Melbourne. Design crowd were another one that were early marketplace Australia so a lot of the I guess marketplaces grew out of Australia because of our need for talent when we were a bit more you know isolated and wanted to kind of connect so we've been working globally or remotely for a long time in outsourcing and I think now um, regions like North America are starting to catch up and being much more comfortable with marketplaces, but I think Australia definitely has been a pioneer for bootstrapped marketplaces for a while.
1: And the rare situation that Invato finds itself in is not at all lost on co-founder Cyan.
0: It's an exceptionally unusual situation that we're in. So I think one of the things that Collis and I and, and you know and the shareholders have discussed is the fact this really is like lightning striking. So the fact that we're the ones who had the startup which grew to this degree, that didn't need external funding, that is, you know, built on such a broad international customer base, is very unusual and means that we have a higher level of responsibility.
1: Would they ever take funding?
0: We've been given such a huge amount in Invato, and we actually have the opportunity. To lead a company which doesn't have external shareholders pressuring us about profitability and you know and dividends, we you know we don't have the pressures that a lot of organisations have. That means we have a responsibility to try our best to create a business which um, serves um, its community on every level, which um, you know has a kind of uh, an experimental approach to making things better because. We can try things that other organisations can't um, because we have the space to do that. Uh, we've, you know, there's, you know, we, we really need to hold ourselves to a very high standard as um, as shareholders and as an organisation because a lot of barriers that other organisations have, we don't have. One day, so far, we, we're still bootstrapped. We haven't needed to take any funding. And I think it would be a major cultural shift in order for us to take it, but You don't know what's going to happen in the future of the business. I would never say never.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode and coming up in a moment, what's ahead on the next? Scale Up is thanks to LaunchVic, Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. If you haven't yet, check out launchvic.org. You'll find resources, events, and funding information. That's launchvic.org. Dot org, and there's more information in the episode notes available on the device you're using right now. What's next in the series? I was in the middle of a
3: meeting uh, chatting about, I think, paid acquisition or something when it was like someone at the window kind of like uh, waving at me and then another person on my phone, like, sort of getting a message. Um, and, and next thing you know, I was like, uh, the paid acquisition guy was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, uh, I'll, I'll come back later. <laughs> and our exec teams kind of all showed up, um, more or less, three or four of them saying, you need to go to Slack. There's like, things are heating up. And if you don't have a quick answer, then,
1: um, you know, it's going to not be great. I'm Courtney Carthy. Thanks for listening to Scale Up from Launch Vic. If you're enjoying the series, please let a friend know or leave a review. Episode 3, Season 3 is up next.